What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Gamescoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week is Tina Amini. Hi, everybody. Sam Claiborne. Hey. And Justin Davis. Scoop. And we've got a great show for you this week. It's the pin penultimate episode of the year. Uh, we'll have one more episode coming for you next week, uh, and then we'll take a little bit. Uh, we'll take one week off to sort of reset over the holidays, and then we'll be back in the new year. But we've got to talk about cyberpunk. Man, we still have to talk about cyberpunk. We talked a little bit about it last week, and I, I, I can't think of a, a bigger debacle uh, in the in video games. I can't think of a, a higher anticipated game that's been more of a crash and burn upon release. Oh. Uh, I think Death Stranding approaches that, right? Uh, what Death Stranding was just, it was just, people were just divided on whether or not they liked it or not. This, you know, there weren't like, it wasn't like completely broken. (laughs) Um, we also, I can't believe I'm saying this. We also get to talk about Perfect Dark. Amazing. (laughs) Still processing that. But first, uh, IGN revealed its game of the year nominations this week. Uh, so we should probably spend some time discussing that. Um, uh, Tina, can you sort of uh, give us the rundown when the nominations are out there? Do we have we revealed when we're going to reveal our, our winners? Um, I actually don't know if we've revealed when we're going to reveal it. So uh, <laughs> okay. without bothering Lucy too much about it, hopefully uh, the Game Scoop community alone can enjoy that we will be revealing them on Monday, uh, provided nothing of surprise happens between then, mm-hmm. but that is the plan. So look out. Unless, yeah, provided um, Breath of the Wild Two isn't surprise released over the weekend. No, boy. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if we'd count that point. Yeah, we might have to consider that one a 2021 award, uh, which is definitely an awkward scenario. We prefer not to find ourselves in, but we will yeah. do that in that case. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's run down the nominees. Animal Crossing, uh, obviously. Big, uh, big, big hit for Nintendo this year. Sam, you reviewed this one, right? Yeah, I did. And it ended up being my favorite game this year. That's um, your pick? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, after playing Cyberpunk, I actually, I'm on the, I really love it. I, I love it. It's a, such one? a, Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk? Okay. Yeah, it's such like a great RPG that matches the thing I want to be playing at, at any time. And of course, I'm not discounting tech issues. I, I'm playing on a, on a uh, very nice PC. So, um, uh, uh, but Animal Crossing is the game, you know, I think I'll continue playing into next year. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. I think it's so fun. And I really like the holiday stuff that's happening right now, except I'm an idiot and it's <laughs> summer in my game, not from time <laughs> traveling, but because I chose the, the Southern hemisphere and I just, I needed to do that for the review. Cause I just wanted to have like really good footage of like spring and summer instead of winter for everybody when I was reviewing. I don't know why. Well, it's, it's just a decision I'm cursed. that follows you forever now. <laughs> yeah, it's so <laughs> dumb. Like it's like toy day, and it's like everybody's all festive, and there's lights up everywhere, and it's like I'm so hot though. Everybody yeah. says like the weirdest dialogue for it. It's, it's okay. Weird. It's just like you're so you're celebrating the holidays in Hawaii. Yeah, well, that's very true, and of course, the actual Southern Hemisphere experiences this all the time. But it is like yeah. Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Tina and Justin, you both played Animal Crossing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Both both big fans. Animal Crossing is also my game of the year for 2020. Wow. Nice. Um, and I also, Sam, I, I echo everything you just said. I'm really, really loving Cyberpunk, as we're going to talk about later. Um, but when I look down, I, you know, I have nothing against Hades, which I was also a big fan of, and our other nominees. But Animal Crossing is one that sticks with me and that I feel in my heart and mind is the best game that I have played <laughs> this year. 
Yeah, I've um, given up on that game. I very much loved it at the time, but I uh, I get distracted very easily. Lots of games come out. It's difficult to keep up with all of them. Um, and we don't really have as many travel opportunities. So while that would have been my companion mm-hmm. game across many flights, like this year obviously mm-hmm. went differently than we had hoped for. Um, so I just haven't played as much, and I do feel a little bit... Um, of of FOMO out of like not participating in all the holiday stuff. And I'm a little too afraid to also open up my island and see all the weeds everywhere. And everyone's like dying, wondering where I've yeah. been. And the, you know, and the town is just in shambles. Yeah. They so. always, the, the villagers are always like, oh man, I haven't seen you in 24 weeks. And then, oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I basically abandoned that island. <laughs> yeah. But it was a very good game. And also, I think a lot of people like the conversation. Um, specifically for this year has been around like that game got a lot of people through the year just because it's been it's been a companion piece just mm-hmm. in general as a day-to-day like life companionship thing so yeah without been- e3 that was like the one game that uh we got to see like a cool nintendo booth for at pax they had like yeah. a really nice animal crossing set up and that's like the only time we got to see anything like that this year because that was the the last and only event it's really cool yeah, yeah it would be it's interesting to think how that game would have been received in a normal year. You know, I, I'm sure it would still have received well, but would it have been the huge like uh, phenomenon that it was? I don't know. You know, I uh, reviewed that before the, the yeah. pandemic hit. Yeah. So yeah. it's like my score and everything. There was discussion like right afterwards and somebody had included this thing like, oh, if we were stuck at home for a while, you know, <laughs> like I'd seen that a little bit, but like it's not even I didn't touch upon it in the review. And I just like it's really interesting how those things coincided. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not play Animal Crossing. Uh, it's not a gaming. It's not yeah. a gaming game. Uh, Makes sense. I don't know. I, just, I I know they're not similar. Um, but like Minecraft is not my thing. Uh, Stardew Valley. I just like if a game is like too open and it's just like here you go, do whatever you want. I I just I get I I lose interest, get bored really quickly. I need to have like. I need to have a quest, and you have something. <laughs> that, 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 you got to have motivation. Uh, you need to accomplish, and hopefully, I have. There are things I get to kill. Yeah. <laughs> well, you do. You do have quests, though. You have like you know certain levels of your house you have to build, and yeah, other things to to fill them little, with. How about loans, Damon? Too. Aren't you? Isn't that yeah, like, exactly. That's motivation. I don't think <laughs> all the fish live when you catch them either. I'm sure they don't. <laughs> <laughs> that counts. Yeah. I need a little bit more escapism uh, in my <laughs> video games. Uh, but anyway, Sam already mentioned cyberpunk, so let's jump into cyberpunk. Uh, now you say you love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unquestionably. So like, I think it's like when it works, it's a such a fun, like choice based, like big RPG where it's just like, you know, I, I follow a story for a while and then I want to follow that more. And I but the, the weapon tree or the, the, the skill trees and the weapons and everything I'm really into. I'm playing as kind of a magic user with hacking and I love it. Mm. I think it's really fun. Like I finally expanded my slots enough to be able to really mess with people like I can mute them or make them forget I'm an enemy. And like now I can actually do stealth. Finally, like there's like things that I'm like upgrading and I'm, and it's really helping me out. I really like it. That's my, I, I um, love. Lost um, your, oh, sorry. Oh, did you say, we lost you there for just a second, Sam. You said you, you can mute people and then. Oh, I can, I can uh, make them uh, forget that I'm uh, an enemy or I can uh, ch- change their hearing. And so now I, I'm like actually playing uh, a, a stealth build, which I couldn't do for a long time because the stealth is frustrating. Yes, mm-hmm. and that's like my one one of my criticisms about the game. Although it's like 
possibly top five, honestly, for me this year, Um, because I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying the main storyline, too. And obviously all the side missions that kind of tie back into the main story, which is what I've been focusing most of my attention on. Um, So I'm loving all of that. I'm loving all of the characters. Uh, But yes, the one one of the downsides is that you were supposed to be able to play this game as like guns blazing, stealth, hacking, you know, Mm -hmm. using the various uh, abilities that you have Mm -hmm. at your disposal. But I'm finding it mostly successful as a guns blazing type of game. Um, Unlike something like even Assassin's Creed Valhalla or um, Ghost of Tsushima this year, where you can Mm -hmm. actually go get through an entire Mm -hmm. level in a methodical way with stealth. Um, I felt like there were so many levels where I try to go stealthily and then things just go to complete utter chaos before I know it. And I'm not about to try to even reload previous Mm -hmm. saves to get around it just because it feels really impossible to get around stealth. And I've been increasing all of my abilities and, you know, I I saw the whistle and the ping and, um, and the, the one that like uh, distracts enemies from, from thinking that you're an enemy where they get confused and they walk away, but it just, (laughs) it hasn't been a a balanced enough experience to feel like a proper stealth game to me. Um, Mm. But I still have been loving the hell out of the game. You get rewarded for killing people. I mean, like that's the thing too. Like if you just avoid everybody and go through the game, like you get less XP and less cool weapons and money and everything. So it's like, you kind of got to kill everybody at some point. I always give up. I like get through a lot of it. And then I'm like, (laughs) it's fine. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Uh, And Justin, how about you with cyberpunk? Yeah, I love the game too. Um, you know, all the criticism that I sort of leveled at CD Projekt last week for the state that the game launched in on consoles is, you know, super valid and legitimate. But I switched to the PC version of the game, and um, I'm so impressed with what they have pulled off, and I'm excited to see it, you know, just get better over time. And um, it does make me a little bit sad because I wished it could have launched in this state. Like mm-hmm. the uh, the level of environmental detail and like the thoughtful nature with which you can build like your v um i don't think the game is getting enough credit for that like you know the game is still in sort of its meme state right now where like you know look at how broken the ai is now these cars disappear and like you know the game deserves that criticism like it's a bummer but um but i think that's overshadowing how impressive um there are so many systems at play and so many ways that you can develop your character that this is much more of like an RPG than I think that, that, that it's getting credit for at this stage. Like to build a stealth character, um, it's not just about like, well, here's the stealth tree. So I put points into the stealth trees so and I have a stealth character. Like you need to put silencers on your weapons. Like you need to take perks from other trees in the hacking tree that like, also enable stealth and make it easier. I didn't even um, know about silencers. Yeah, you oh, can. No. Tina, yeah, we lost your video. Oh, whoops. Um, Maybe okay. your lights just went off. <laughs> can you <laughs> yeah. see? I'm just. I'm just. <laughs> Where am I? Pay the power bill. That was very strange. You know what? It's a bad connection. I'm sorry about that, guys. Oh, okay. It's my it's cable has a really bad connection. It's coming back. Oh, there you're back. Um, so yeah, so that's what I'm most most excited about, and um, and most like I'm I'm excited to replay the game when it is finally in like a really really great state, and I'll probably replay it on console because um, I saw somebody do a build where they basically they they put all their points into shotguns, and then each time they kill an enemy, they move faster. And so the build is basically Sonic the Hedgehog with shotguns where they sprint Whoa. all around like a crazy person shotgunning everybody in the face. And that's like, that's completely different than the way that I'm playing the game. And from a game design and like character build standpoint, like that's, that's really hard and impressive. Like, um, 
so I, I really, really love the game and I love the writing and, um, and uh, the situation around launch just makes me sad. I, I, I was saying on social media that like, it'd be so much easier if the game were just bad. Like if it were bad, yeah. it would be bad. And then everyone, you know, and then it would be bad and we'd all went on with our life. But like the fact that it's like three fourths amazing and like one fourth broken makes it just a lot harder game for me to like sort of fit into my mind right now. Yeah, yeah. 100% agreed with basically everything you just said, Justin. I think um, the RPG element uh, is, is really astute. Like there's a lot to discover there. I think the criticisms of them comparing um the open world to something like red dead's open world red dead 2's open world is obviously it's like night and day those aren't exactly um sorry do i need to stop again well your audio audio sounds worse now yeah it's double yeah it's coming from the here we go how's that yeah all right what was i saying um yes rpg rpg elements thank (laughs) you Yeah, so the RPG elements um, that that makes a lot of sense to me because the open world, like I, I don't, I'm not much of a player that loves unless the open world really pulls me in, where there are like natural events happening, like random events that are that are happening that you can kind of chime in on, and it feels like it connects back to the story. That's my preference, but I don't really feel pulled in by the world outside of how beautiful it is. Like if, there's levels mm-hmm. of detail in the design specifically, like even to the fine elements of you know the trash in this room looks different than the trash out here um Mm -hmm. so i think design wise they've really pulled off something gorgeous but uh, i've seen the footage of people like you know blasting off their guns um with a bunch of pedestrians around and then you turn around and you turn back and the game like loads in normal pedestrians that haven't encountered you like shooting around so i think there's like a level of playable detail that maybe isn't there and i think that ties back to expectations not measuring up in that sense but from what you do have in the game the the hype and the marketing aside that maybe didn't live up to that uh what you do have in the game i think is a really enjoyable experience and i love pan am and judy um Mm -hmm. and johnny silverhand i think keanu does a good job uh, despite what tom said in in our review i love how he appears to talk to you it's so clever like it's really unexpected because it'll be in like a small side quest and he'll pop in and he's he's always doing something physical that's interesting like sitting on a chair you wouldn't expect or like being up on a ledge or like right there it's just so cool and i love when you hear him and then you're like looking around like where is he talking to me from and then you find him and it's like the coolest thing uh graphics wise like out in the desert oh my god that game gets pretty it's kind of crazy they focus so much on the city and neon and and rain and everything and they got a lot of that right but like once you get out there and go looking back at like the skyline it's the coolest thing i love it it's It's like a vegas shot it's yeah exactly exactly it's just interesting to hear you say that because I'm playing on Xbox Series X. And uh, of course, it's not an Xbox Series X game. It's an Xbox mm. One game that I'm playing on Series X. And I don't I wouldn't say that this version is particularly, uh, yeah. you know, good looking. I, I, I There are other games I played this year, Ghost of mm. Tsushima and Last of Us Part Two, that are much you know better yeah. looking games than Cyberpunk on Xbox Series X. So mm-hmm. um, it, uh, it, it it's it's so is just a story of two games. Right. Well, it's like, also. It's CD Projekt Red. Their roots are in PC game development, right? Like that's like their heart and soul. They're a PC game developer. So I, I mean, I, I think we're just, like, I think we're just sort of like being reminded that that's the version of the game they were really giving all of their care and attention to, right? It's yeah. just they nailed the console versions of The Witcher. Like that's the thing is like that was the crossover that really worked yeah. for so many people. And Witcher Three was just like such a a great console RPG. I think they expected to be able to do that again. I don't know. 
I don't I don't think I've ever seen a more like detailed layered game world than this. Like if you stand it up next to The Last of Us or Red Dead, like those worlds have higher like picture quality like in regards mm-hmm. to how they look, but like the world of Cyberpunk and Night City feels more thought out where like you have brands and those brands have billboards and then those billboards have graffiti on them and it feels layered and built up in a way that's like thoughtful and like the way that those hacks are bought from Ripper Docs that are in like back rooms and basements and like every single interior, like a bar is not just a bar. Like it has a back room and it has an office and it has like a back alley and like multiple ways into it and out of it. And you can get up on the roof. Like I got um, another video that I saw just like the, the Sonic the Hedgehog with shotguns was someone bought the double jump and you can use the double jump in some of those movement mods to like get on top of, you can get onto the roof of the skyscrapers and like, the game doesn't tell you to do that. Like, there's no quests that take you up there, but there's there's loot up there. Like, there's there's sniper rifles and things like up on the roofs of these tall buildings, and um, the fidelity of that world and how thoughtful it's put together. But then, but then, you know, you turn around and like there's cops spawning behind you, you know, teleporting yeah. in, and like, and then so much of it just doesn't work. Like, it bums me out. It's like it's right there. It's so close. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely enjoying it. So, you know, it's totally my oh, cool. my kind of game. Uh, but you know, I'm like ten hours in, uh, mm-hmm. which I think I only saw the title screen after eight hours. Yeah, we, we were talking about screen. how Assassin's Creed is like five hours to title screen. Cyberpunk for me was eight hours to title screen. I is this longer than Wolfenstein? Is this the longest one? Wolfenstein's was like that too. Remember that? Yeah, but yeah. I don't, it, it wasn't eight hours. I don't think. Yeah. Well, they know. also said specifically they wanted to make the main cam- main campaign a little. They just through research saw that a lot of people didn't finish Witcher three. That's right. Um, so yeah, I think they're trying to strike the balance of like you can burn through and and just do the main quests here, um, which I, I found like a lot of the side quests uh, to be less than enjoyable experiences, even though they do switch them up occasionally. Like um, all your I forget his name, but the AI that you interact with, where you can chase down all of his vehicles, Delamain. Yes, thank mm-hmm. you, Delamain. Um, like, there's Easter eggs in each and every single one of those, so it just feels like diminishing returns to an extent, as mm-hmm. opposed to the main quest, which is thrilling, and I'm really close to the end, um, and it's become quite a mind F with no bleeping, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm really enjoying that. I, I just love, like, a, a narrative that kind of challenges my thinking, like, do I know this person? Do I like this person? What should I do? I love that kind of story. Yeah, I've been trying to think about how to suggest side quests to people, and I, I've played a lot, but not not nearly all of them. And I think the romance lines are totally worth doing. Like, there's there's certain characters that have romance lines, and like you don't have to play them as romanceable characters, but they're so in depth. It's like I can't believe, and I think they contribute to the multiple endings mm-hmm. too. So it's like I. I, I I'm surprised they don't kind of show you those more because they just kind of fade into the gigs and everything. Like, like there's just so much to do. It's hard to cut through that. There's a lot to do. The game does a really good job of like you tug on a thread and sometimes it's, you know, it's a five minute quest and it's Mm -hmm. over. But like sometimes gigantic sprawling side quests start the same way and feel kind of inconsequential and then bloom as you dig into them. And like, and and you don't really know which it's going to be like, you don't know if someone's going to be in your story for five minutes or, you know, two hours. There's the, like, interestingly, too, like the ones that don't get flagged to you, the question mark ones that you actually have to walk up to to discover what the side quest is. Some of those are Keanu side quests. Mm-hmm. So you'd be surprised, like, what I is actually hitting there. Yeah. That's really cool. I haven't done any of those. Like, I haven't, and, I haven't even walked up to a question mark. 
There's actually a secret ending because I may have done some Googling. Um, there's a secret ending uh, and you can only reach it if you have a very specific kind of relationship with Keanu. And it mm. requires you spending time with him and being nice mm. to him, but not too nice because he can't, you know, think that you're being fake nice. So it's, it's a whole thing. Oh, that's yeah. so crazy. Um, I wanted to also comment like the style of the game is, you know, I like right. 80 cyberpunk. Like, I think mm. it's really like stylistic and cool and, neon and neat and like they included like a lot of rep like every single quest in that game every single one is a reference to a punk or a rock song and and i feel i think there's a trend where they go back in time i can't really tell because it starts with like 70s punk there's like a bunch of stooges songs in there like (laughs) down the street and um give me danger and stuff like that and then it goes like now i saw like some like pretty commonly known songs like riders in the storm or uh with a little help from my friends from the 60s But like, yeah, it starts with just like it has that like the style is so extensive. It's so detailed. There's other references, like even in the poses Mm -hmm. and photo mode, there's um, there's a ton of references in there and lots that are associated with Keanu. So I actually took a screenshot with him in photo mode where I'm telling him, no, you're breathtaking. And I took it it at the (laughs) exact moment that Keanu was like, kind of like that, like embarrassed. So it was was a perfect screenshot. I'll share it at some point. Sam and Tina, I was saying last week that what struck me about the opening hours is just how normal they seem to me for like an open world game. I wasn't really felt like I was seeing anything new. Mm. But then when you get uh, deeper into it and you're like um, interacting with people that have like heavily modified their bodies, like uh, it's one of the earlier missions where this like group of games. Yeah. Is that what they are? Where they've like gutted like the the top of their head? Like, so it's not like their eyes are removed. It's just like. It's got metal Everything from like w- from where their nose to like their forehead would be has just been gutted, and it's just yeah. like machinery in there. And you're like talking with this person that, and that was like the first time I was like, "Whoa, this is awesome." They make you they're, they're so in your face about like doing yeah. drugs with them, and I'm like, "Ooh, yeah. Yeah. no, no, no <laughs> thank you." I'm cool. Yeah. Oh, I said I said yes. I thought they would kill me if I didn't. <laughs> what What happened? You just uh, yeah. Does it just start swaying the screen like it does when it's like that's what happens when you take one sip of beer? One? Yes, exactly. I was like, why, why is V's tolerance so low? Because <laughs> all that, all that metal, all that chrome. Um, okay, we can talk about Cyberpunk for uh, the whole episode, but there Let's are other uh, other games nominated for Game of the Year, uh, like the um, uh, previously mentioned Assassin's Creed Valhalla, um, a game that I was enjoying, uh, but then started to get a little bit bored with and moved on to Cyberpunk. Uh, how about you guys? I ramped up my enjoyance. I, I really want to go back. Like I, I feel guilty for not playing that game right now because I love castles and I love yeah. where, where I am right now and just like going and exploring. And I have a really good weapon setup that I think I'm just going to keep for the rest of the game. So now I can just focus on stories and killing and stuff. It's really, really fun. Love that. Yeah, same here. I've like I've maneuvered my way around that game to where it feels like you know, a second life kind of thing. And I, I feel guilty about not going back to it too. I'm definitely going to finish it. I'm pretty far along, pretty sure I'm at right at the end, but yeah, cyberpunk came and just kind of interrupted it. Um, but you know, we've got holiday break coming up. So both of those games will be done by 2021. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoyed my time with it. I think I talked about it on scoop several weeks ago where like, I didn't make a deliberate decision. Like I'm done with this game. It's like the decision was just kind of made for me. It's like, you have, yeah. you have a menu of options to choose what to do every evening. And it's yeah. like Assassin's Creed was always like the fourth choice. I'm like, I don't want to play this more than I want to watch Mandalorian or play Astro or play, yeah. you know, play some of the other games. And now cyberpunk is obviously taking it over. So not quite good enough to earn, you know, a spot at the, at my table. 
Um, I will say I'm, I'm looking yeah. up because this is the only way I play games anymore ever since my career. <laughs> so every time I play a video game, I also take notes. So I'm refreshing my memory and I'm pulling up my notes. And there's three points I'd like to bring up about Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Please. One point was written before we got to play Cyberpunk. And I wrote that it is very buggy, um, <laughs> which is absolutely true. And I find it interesting yeah. that, you know, there isn't a lot of attention spent. I, I don't know what your guys' experience have been with it, but especially with like raids and stuff, like my crew is either like glued to me where I can't move beyond <laughs> doors or I can't yeah, interact with objects. And I'm like, just get the hell away from me. Um, and then, or they're like completely far off somewhere else, like, you know, running in circles around themselves. So it's, it's frequently pretty broken. I've had to reload a couple times because I couldn't like swap a weapon for some reason. But once yeah. I reloaded, I was able to swap that weapon suddenly. So it's just, it's been interruptive, but fortunately the way that, you know, auto saves and, and my own saving habits works, uh, it, it hadn't been too disruptive, but it certainly existed. Um, and then uh, I also I wrote down that I kept looking up options, dialogue options in the hopes that my choice would mean anything uh, down the line. And it never did. Uh, and I think that's just mm -hmm. sort of the the case for like, that's the same in Cyberpunk, too. Like, that's just the case for a lot of these games that are like, your choices matter. And it's like your last three choices matter, but nothing beyond mm -hmm. that actually yeah. did. Um, and then, uh, the, the other thing was just sort of like a general thought of in any game that has dialogue options, you have to think about the, the shorthand and how that shorthand mm -hmm. translates to what you're actually going to say. Um, and I wrote that, uh, nobody's talking about the fine art that is translating lines of dialogue into shorthand form. Um, because you've, I've gotten like wildly differing results, um, from expectations and from other games. But in this case, it was really on par. Like I felt like I never felt surprised. Whereas like in early Mass Effect games, I definitely felt like, whoa, whoa, that's not what I meant. That was said a yeah. lot more aggressively than I was expecting. Yeah, I noticed that really a lot in Cyberpunk where I, I have noticed, like, I don't know what the meaning of the shorthand is. It's rare. As you said, it's gotten so much better. But sometimes it'll be like, yeah, okay. Yeah. And like, if I texted that to somebody, it'd be dismissive, I think, you know, yeah. but then like, I'll choose that to be dismissive. And it would be like, oh, I'm so sorry about this. I really understand you're going to get through that. That's like the sympathetic thing. That's only happened a couple of times, but I think it's funny. The That's a good idea. Uh, Tina, that's a good idea. Taking notes uh, while you play. I should do a better job of doing that. Do you just use your phone? Yeah, I just use the, the notes app on my phone. Um, it's the only way I would have remembered those three points about the game that I wanted to make. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes sure. I get like feature ideas and guide ideas yeah. and stuff. Sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Next nominee, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, I think all of us enjoyed that game, uh, but I think maybe everyone enjoyed Very it a little bit more than a little bit more than I did. Oh. Mm. Well, yeah, first, so first of all, I don't like I, I don't like the whole way that the game was like framed and and, and rolled out as just oh, right, being right, yeah part one of whoever who knows how many parts they're going to be and when we're going to get them yeah it's literally not a final fantasy it's just a starting fantasy yeah i mean without spoiling things um the best part about that game is that it's um it's not a straight remake and sort of acknowledges and recognizes what comes before and makes really really bold choices storytelling choices that I think remakes part two and three i, I i'm so much more excited about them than i would have been um uh, but that being said, uh, you know, it, it's too padded to be a game of the year front runner for me. Yeah. Padded Can you imagine really going back to that game right now? Can you imagine how bad we'd all be at the combat in that? <laughs> like it was so specific. Yeah. All the equipping, like I would equip things before each battle to be like mm -hmm. ready for it. Like that is no way. 
Yeah, I think another big criticism that people have of that game that I honestly didn't feel when I was playing through it, and maybe it's only because this was my first uh, experience with Final Fantasy VII since I hadn't played the original one. Um, But yeah, people are like, "That's it's not a full game. There isn't a full story. Like, there's a this is part one, and so it doesn't feel like it's appropriate on that level of comparison to other game of the years." Yeah. Here we are. What is nine months uh, after that game was released, and there's been no no word on when the next part will be coming. That's true. Yeah, it's going to be like four years, right? (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, it's the open world part. Like, how crazy is that? Like, this game opens up into a giant overworld. There's a (laughs) hell. How is that even possible? (laughs) And they got away with, you know, a linear RPG. Like, it's fine. Not every RPG needs to be open world full of choice. Like, it can be point A to point B. But, like, when that's in a city, like, I I don't know what they're going to do with the open world. Like, I'm worried that they're going to punt it and still just have it be... You're going to go city. from here to here to here to here. Because yeah. that is how the game sh- like technically plays out, right? Is that you yeah. start having those choices, but you definitely can't walk between these things. Like there's an airship, and there's yep. just like so much involved. Yep. Maybe they'll just do a like, dinky overworld overlay like they did in the original, and just have like you can land at this city now. Like I don't know, that would be Could fine. Be. Uh, the next nominee is my personal pick for game of the year, and I think maybe Tina's, and that would be Ghost of Tsushima. Wow, yes. both of you. Ghost of Tsushima. I mean, it's not really fair, you know, <laughs> when it comes to me. I love open world games. I love Japan. I love samurai <laughs> movies. <laughs> All they had to do was not mess that stuff up. And, <laughs> great. Well, not messing the game up is hard this year, right? Yeah. Just been a fair, lot fair point. Yeah. yeah. The fewest bugs, probably, <laughs> yeah, I think. For yeah. sure. Um, yeah, I, I love that game. And I think, like, you know, there may be other stories or storylines that like maybe were, were stronger or there may be like other elements of other games. But I think the, mm-hmm. the cohesiveness of the entirety of that game is what makes it my personal game of the year because it had such a good flow. Like some people complain about the last couple hours um, in the way that I would complain about the last of us is the last of us mm-hmm. twos uh, last couple hours. Couple um, dozen but I didn't, hours. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> this is still going. What is this return of the King? Um, so, you know, I, I didn't feel that, though, for Ghost of Tsushima. For Ghost of Tsushima, yeah. it just felt like everything naturally fell into itself. And I think there were some open world elements that I didn't participate in. Like, after a while, you get tired of the fox dens. Like, mm-hmm. it's cute. I need to pet all of mm-hmm. them. Like, you know, we can get a, we can get away with the, the three-second animation thing. But yeah. there were some others that, like, um, that I did still feel compelled to play through. As opposed to Cyberpunk, where I got bored of some of those, like, side, the smaller side quests and the gigs. For Ghost of Tsushima, the pacing of it felt so natural that I could... I didn't I didn't feel like I had to interrupt my main quest line in order to get them done. Like one of the most elegant game design um, compliments possible, in my opinion, is when you're looking at a map and there's like a main quest and there's just side quests around it and gigs. And they all feel like they communicate with one another, both in just the geography, the plain old geography of it, but then also um, the pacing of like giant main quest where it's a huge battle and you want to take your time on a smaller mm-hmm. thing just to kind of like as a palate cleanser or whatever. And th- narratively they're kind of tied together as well. So that's to me what felt like made Ghost of Tsushima a pretty amazing experience that I didn't want to put down. It also yeah. oozed style like cyberpunk. Like it had, it chose a style which was not just historical Japan. Like it chose no. a really like painterly fantasy. cool mm-hmm. fantasy style. And then it, it added like, um, like wind was really amazing in that. And it, it started using that. These are really interesting ways like wind and water and stuff like that is always fun games. And then they have you do is like sit down and write a haiku and just look how pretty this game is. 
things and they just that's in engine it's just like a static shot and uh, and of course photo mode is another you know really impressive aspect of this but like just stopping that game and looking around i would physically do that i would just stop yeah. be like man this is amazing and i'm doing that in cyberpunk also but it's a little bit sadder because i'm looking at garbage and people with half <laughs> metal heads but uh great to see birds flying in that game though yeah no birds yeah, in cyberpunk. The uh, the cues in nature is like a really, really clever masterstroke of just design, I think. Um, and it's one of those things that like feels obvious and inevitable in hindsight. But like, you know, someone had to come up with that and implement it. Like um, that's like the best the best designed systems are the ones that like, you know, feel inevitable once once you've experienced them. You move through the seasons geographically in that game going south to north. Like that's yeah. such a cool idea. That's such a Zelda thing that you, you would think of, you know, but it did it. Um, I have three notes that I can read from, nice. that <laughs> yeah. I haven't I haven't touched for well, I just edited it for bolding, but I don't know. So here on out we need to have the da- the Damia Awards and then the Tina notes. Exactly. Um one is like a late game thing, but I don't think it's really a spoiler because I don't even remember what it means, honestly. Because um, I have the memory of a goldfish, uh, and this is why I keep notes. But uh, one of them was that I, I I wrote that I love that the ghost abilities evolve with your acceptance of them in the narrative. So the gameplay and the narrative um, work together really well. That you it really comes into its own as you get comfortable with that new style of combat and confrontation because you're supposed to be conflicted. I'm a samurai. I'm not supposed to be stealthing around yeah. here and stabbing yeah, that, people in the back. That was one thing yeah. I didn't like. The game is you like constantly chastising you for playing stealthily. <laughs> Well, and only it, narratively, but gameplay-wise, Narr- it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Still, yeah, but, you, but you're supposed to struggle with it. You're supposed, like, you know, as the character, you're supposed to be struggling with it. And you yeah. can't resist it, right? Because, like, you can't make the choice not to use poison and then come up with a good ending. Like, that's not, yeah. not that type of game. Like, there's other look games like that, but it doesn't, it doesn't present that option to you. They open up a whole toy box of, like, look at all these really cool stealth skills and poison, then you use them, and it's like, you piece of shit. You brought shame <laughs> to the family. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's like. Um, but it's it's like the same thing of like does every movie need to have a happy ending for it to yeah, be like yeah, an interesting yeah. compelling movie that kind of yeah, thing of course not groundbreaking course damon um yeah. okay second note <laughs> i wrote that i love that i love the human aspect of this game the most uh, or i love the most human aspect of this game that it's hard to convince people some people to fight by your side and everyone's got this like selfish point of view so there's like it's not just you know those tv shows where every side character is just like their their existence, their purpose for existence is just to like progress the main character's storyline. It's I felt the opposite in this kind of scenario. Same as Cyberpunk, actually. I felt like a lot of the side characters could have had their own worlds, their families, their own concerns outside of how it related to me, you know, the most important character of the game. Mm-hmm. And then my last one that I don't remember what it means, but you guys probably do, I wrote um, and this is like a late game thing. So if you really, really care about spoilers, maybe skip ahead literally two seconds. Um, but I wrote, what is this sacred tree? Am I supposed to feel feelings for this tree? Is it where like the, the final it's on the Island it's you return. You're supposed to like, Oh, you don't return. Actually. I wrote that it would have been more impactful to have returned to a familiar area. I think so I there's a, um, mm-hmm. I think, I think what happens is there's a flashback where you fight or learn from your uncle under that tree yeah really early right. on like like in the first like hour of the game or something and then they try to connect it after a 60 hour open world game that might have been that. what it was yeah because i remember yeah. there's a tree that yeah you you and your uncle have um scenes uh around but it was also like uh there's well, a lot of those more trees spoilers though. yeah exactly i think this <laughs> might have been a different sacred tree <laughs> okay yeah 
but it was it's like a meant it's the scene was meant to evoke feelings from you and i think like you have to have you have to have established and that's kind of the criticisms i have with the last of us um which we may or may not talk about in a minute yeah so should I we'll pause? definitely get there but i just wanted to note that um um yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to point out a funny thing I, I noticed. When I'm playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla, I'm performing a mental exercise where I just I just believe that it's not an Assassin's Creed game. It's just a mm-hmm. Viking game. That's just like the mindset I get in because it's mm-hmm. just become it's gotten way too far from what like Assassin's Creed is. It do- doesn't I I I don't buy the fact that this Viking is a stealthy assassin, especially when the game is encouraging you to go on all these raids with all of your crew. It's just like too far away from Assassin's Creed. So I'm playing that, believing just playing a Viking game. But Ghost of Tsushima could absolutely be an Assassin's Creed game. <laughs> that makes that makes so much more sense. You could this just, time we'll just swap them. It's okay. Just That's sprinkle a little animus stuff in there. And then, and yeah. Bam. No, you don't Assassin's even have to. Then it really literally is an Assassin's Creed game. <laughs> well, there are, there are high, hardcore Assassin's Creed fans that love that animus stuff. Yes. Um, okay. We, we were like... Running out of time, we're gonna uh, have to uh, speed through some of these other games. So we got to talk about Last of Us Part Two. Um, Tina, do you, you want to start with your point? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the point that I was gonna make was that they tried to have a couple scenes. The, the one that was related to to Ghost, so they had to try. Um, they had a couple scenes where they tried to make you feel things about certain characters, but you'd seen them so many hours before where you had a different feeling about them. Cause you're like, mm-hmm. I don't know this character, but I'm pretty sure this character is an enemy of mine. Um, and then you, so you flash back hours later um, and you're meant to have this like different understanding of them, but it just, it, I felt like I wasn't feeling the things that I, that I was meant to, or that was the intended purpose of the scene. So just mm-hmm. those like flashbacks are tricky to get right. Mm-hmm. Like flashbacks mm-hmm. can be a really cool art tool. Um, but if they're not done right, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's potentially just like a distraction, like just additive scenes that don't really get the intended effect. Um, so that was one of my criticisms. But yeah, then the game goes on too long. So that's mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I, th- I don't like how well I like how I really starting as playing as Abby at first. And I was like, why, why am I switching characters right now? I, I'm, I'm really invested in this other storyline. Of course, that's the big trick with this game is that it it. it gets you invested in abby and then after all that though what was probably not the intended effect what i I ended up being like ellie sucks like i don't want to have anything to do with ellie she makes such bad decisions and maybe that's their intention too but it's not a good one and it's not a good message so at the end of the game you have these two characters you're just like you can't make something where you can't relate or like any of the characters uh in my opinion like that's not that's not like a artsy new cutting edge thing to do it's just it's just not storytelling it's just and then they actually say in that game like I forget what the exact terminology is, but they're like, everybody's, you know, the, the sentiment is that everybody's awful. Like, frankly, that's just not the, not a good plot of a video game for me because it just, it just justifies killing all these people in the video game and makes it very video gaming and not auteur like at all for me. I'm just like, okay, if everybody's evil, then it's all equal. And that's why I can kill 300 people in the course of this game. I just think that's like so weak. I just don't think that was a coherent message. That's a real problem I have with a lot of modern television. So that there's nobody to root for everyone's mm-hmm. terrible there's no mm-hmm. one that's like a hero um i didn't i didn't really i'm one of the only people me and seth macy are like the only two people that didn't love last of us one so i didn't play last mm-hmm. of us two um i give the game credit for i watched a lot of videos and saw a lot of coverage of the game and like the level of detail in the game world like naughty dog is on another level it's really there's, cool there's no there's no other game developer on the planet doing what they're doing like it's really really unprecedented it's unbelievable that it's on a ps4 like it feels impossible. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so 
you know, like every technical achievement in the world, like they deserve credit for. Um, from a uh, from a narrative standpoint, you know, I spoiled myself on the game because I, I don't think I'm going to play it, and um, and uh, I'm not going to spoil Last of Us Two here. But uh, I think my opinion would probably line up with yours, Sam. Yeah, there's there's so many things about that game that are really impressive mm-hmm. uh, on a technical level. Uh, amazing acting, amazing writing, uh, amazing you know world building. Even though the the it's a dystopian world, there's still it's still beautiful. Um, there's an amazing museum sequence, but like the story in the first Last of Us, I think is amazing, and the story in Part Two doesn't go anywhere. Like it's just like it, I, I don't know. It does it does a disservice to the original game. Uh, this this is light spoilers. Here's what happens in Last of Us Part Two. Ellie wants to kill Abby, but she can't find her, so she goes home. Then Abby goes to kill Ellie, but she changes her mind. Then Ellie goes to kill Abby again, but then she changes her mind. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's it. That's the story. To- it's like, what? It's supposed to be like these kids that grew up in this, mm-hmm. you know, post-apocalyptic world have a lot of very different understandings of what family means, have very different understandings of what right and wrong means. So it's supposed to be a, the trajectory of them struggling with it. And then you as the player also struggling with it because you're seeing different sides of people's stories. So ultimately you're like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm understanding certain contexts about The Last of Us 1 and how that may have impacted how these characters mm-hmm. feel in The Last of Us 2. Um, but yeah, it just, it, it felt like messy su- sequences to me where I just, I wasn't set up in the same way that maybe you could have been. Um, and I, I also felt like a couple elements were definitely you know, mirroring things that were successful in The Last of Us 1. Um, I, I wrote in my notes that I've pulled up here um, that there's a lot more of those giraffe moments, um, those like, you know, yeah. really interesting, exactly. quiet quiet moments that you're supposed agree. to kind of reflect. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't carry the same weight. And maybe it's to my fault, my own fault for doing that constant comparison in my head um, mm-hmm. to The Last of Us 1. Uh, but like even those dynamic dialogue moments that kind of carry you through parts of The Last of Us 1 where you're supposed to just be traversing the world, getting from mm-hmm. one blowout fight to the next stealthy fight to whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Those were supposed to carry you through them, like while you find the ladder and you, you put it up and like that, that was the meant to sort it, of like, right? that was a big yeah. part of. Yeah. That. It just, so for me, they didn't feel as well-timed um, as the last of us one. So I was just constantly making those comparisons in the back of my head. I mean, game, game, games are participatory, you know, it's like the player is playing it, they're not just passively watching it, and so to, to be forced to play as a character making decisions you hate is it's, interesting, but yes, like... exactly. It's an it, interesting but, exercise, but... <laughs> yeah. We've done it, we don't need to do it again. But really what I want yeah. to do in a video game? Yeah. Seattle is so cool in that game. The river through yeah. the center of Seattle. And like, that's the, yeah. you know, that's where the giraffe moments really take off. And there's a few like tiny little open world segments there, which they really only did like, I think twice in the game, but uh, where you get to run around, you're like, this, this makes me want a, a feudal Japan set game from Naughty Dog, <laughs> maybe with a little yeah. bit of animus in it. More Japan yeah. in 2021. Game yeah, yeah, for please. sure. Yeah. Um, okay. A game that really surprised everyone this year is Hades. Uh, and I'm, I for one, am super happy to see a roguelike game get so much love uh, this year. Although I'll, I, I really like Hades a lot, super damey game. Um, but I actually like the moments in between runs more than the runs. Oh yeah, I played it for three hours last night, so I can talk about yeah. this. <laughs> for the first time. Nice. Yeah, well, l- 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 yep. hit us with your hit us with your thoughts. Oh no, I can wait for you guys. I just I just wanted to um, remark that I can participate, and I'm happy about that. <laughs> I think I, I like the same thing about Hades that I like about Cyberpunk, where like there is such impressive flexibility in viable builds. 
Um, you know, and it's a roguelike, so you don't know, you're sort of cobbling it together as you go. And it has that best feeling that like, you know, the card games, Damon and I like so much, like, uh, like say the spire where like you get one card and say the spire and you're like, okay, man, I guess, you know, it's a new strategy. Like Hades feels that way with its perks and weapons. And like, uh, uh, it's so impressive that like you are viable from beginning to end in all these different flexible ways. Like what an achievement. Yeah, I feel like I got my ass kicked when I used the bow and arrow. But other than that, I agree. <laughs> I oh, love really? the bow and arrow. I love the bow and arrow. Yeah, I that's the way I can survive. Shot. Yeah, Spread I'm like, cool. I've always been the like in an, in an RPG where you would play like you know the the tanked style character versus like mm-hmm. the, the range style character. Always the range style characters. Like, don't get close to me. I will get way too nervous. I need to kill you from a distance so I feel secure about that. And the bow and arrow. Once you start stacking all of those um, abilities on top of them, yeah, they become glorious. I figure that might be the case because the levels have parts where you can kind of run to a corner and just like take care of stuff. And there's an occasional level where I I get like a layout where I get like just hammered though. Um, But Damon, you had already talked about this and I've heard other people talk about this. Like it's so funny going to your little home setup and talking to everybody and then more things open up and you can, you know, give presents and visit. And it's just, it's just so funny. Like I love that part of it. It's it, so cool the way that they planned ahead to like dole out little bits of information and little bits of the story in between your runs when, you know, they have no idea how many runs it's going to take any player to, to mm-hmm. finish the game, right? Mm-hmm. That's like, really cool. I, I'm not great at the game, but I still feel like it, it strikes the perfect balance between like giving you permanent upgrades and rewards and sort of like ensures that like, you know, even if you're a poor player, like, like you're still going to be able to inch your way through it and get through it eventually. Like it, it's, it just feels perfect in that way. Yeah, the the fact that, like, death is such a natural progression as part of the game, like, any challenges that you do confront never feel frustrating simply because you accept that death is part of it. So, Mm -hmm. whereas, like, other incredibly difficult games, like, I'd throw the controller to the side and, like, load up Cyberpunk instead or Assassin's Creed Valhalla. In this case, it's just like, oh, everybody dies, you know, it's okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And you get bonuses for dying. And then, like, yeah, Yeah. I I mean, that's, that's, it's a perfect roguelike that way. And I, and what you said about the story really reminded me of Rogue Legacy, where mm-hmm. it's like, hey, like you have to die in Rogue Legacy. That's the point. Your y- your your ancestor carries on from there. Like I really like it when they tie the mm-hmm. tie the repeated death see- loop of these games into that. That's very funny. We um, yeah. I like how uh, how horny the game is and how sexy it is and like, but not in like an overt way. It's just sort of it's there underneath <laughs> the surface all the time. Um, in a way that, like, you know, the fandom has really picked up on. And that's, like, super giant um, uh, in their art design and their voice acting and their storytelling is, um, you know, they're they're able to thread that needle in a way that I think a lesser developer would, would fall down a little bit. Yeah, agreed. Um, okay, and then there's a game that, man, I wish I wish I'd have played, uh, and that would be Half-Life Alex. Just uh, by all accounts, anyone who has played that game uh, is amazed by it, uh, but it's sort of locked behind this VR platform that uh, so many people, you know, don't don't own, right? That's true. I plan to play it before the end of the year, though. I have my Oculus all set up uh, or coming and set, going to set that up and do it. Yeah. So I'll report back 2021. in Yeah. Early 2021. And that's because um, of how irresistible, like seriously, our staff is so pro Half-Life Alex. Like people just yeah. talked about it constantly. And uh, there's really cool stuff. My favorite thing that I heard was when this tip went around our staff uh, where you could uh, you can only carry a couple grenades. But because the game has like the full physics engine in it, you could 
pick up a basket and then put extra grenades in a basket and carry them through your levels and then use them like grenades. And mm -hmm. it was like a, a cheat that like totally worked in the game because the game had been set up to be that basically open worldy in physics. Yeah. Sandboxy. Yeah. I'm really, really excited to play it. I'm excited to see Valve back. Um, yeah. That's a little bit mean, but just like, you know, Dota and Counter-Strike are not my thing, you know? And so, you know, <laughs> narrative Valve back and single-player storytelling back and using Half-Life as a vehicle for pushing new ideas and new game design, which that franchise has always been about that, um, is, uh, is awesome. What should have been our thing, Justin, was Artifact. <sighs> yeah, Artifact was yeah. bad. Yeah. Um, Miles Morales. Spider-Man Miles Morales on PS5. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I really liked it Super more than fun. I expected okay, yeah. to. Um, yeah. I expected it to be just sort of easy breezy, superficial, like Spider-Man 1.5, and um, it punches above that, and um, and I really love it. And I think well, I don't remember how I voted on Game of the Year now, but I, that may have been my second choice behind Animal Crossing. It was way up there. I liked it for performance, and I think Miles is such a such a well performed character. It's just great, just a troubled troubled kid and uh, mm -hmm. making d tough decisions. And I just love that about Spider-Man in general. And I think it, he, his Spider-Man is just so much more interesting than uh, the previous PlayStation Spider-Man Spider-Man. It's mm -hmm. great. Interesting. And the final nomination, uh, the final nominee would be a game. I don't, I'm not sure any of us have played, but uh, our own Seth Macy uh, reviewed and is a huge champion of, and that would be a uh, Microsoft flight simulator. Yeah. I mean, from everything I see about that game, I love that they used these, you know, basically satellite composites to make an amazing version of Earth to uh, explore very slowly or to speed across. Yeah. I think that's so cool. Because that game is using, uh, you know, satellite data and software to render, you know, the entire planet. Um, uh, that game is only going to get better with time as they figure out better and better rendering techniques. And so that's really exciting to me. We're like, they've laid a foundation that like, it's already an incredible experience. Like what's it going to be like in another five years? Um, yeah. I think it's really something special. Like animal crossing. One thing we couldn't do this year was be with other people in this game. You can't fly or travel like, so that, that, that filled that, that void for people. And I saw a lot of people being thankful for that. My favorite part of travel is not being on the plane though. I'll tell you that much. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> it doesn't really appeal to me, but uh, it is funny to think how much they nerded out over airports, which are also like the least appealing, places humans really inhabit i think in my opinion but uh yeah we um an underrated thing about flight sim simulator is that uh there is an endless level of toggle between arcade flying and like realistic flying and every single step along the way so it's like if you want to pick mm -hmm. up an xbox controller and just drive your plane around you can or like That's at really the at the extreme most simi level, you have to go through the entire pre-flight checklist to like have a plane take off. It's like 87 steps of like flipping individual switches yeah. and like checking things. Seth says it's impossible if you're not like a real <laughs> pilot. And like, you know, and but then everyone decides like where on that scale are they for themselves? Like, okay, mm -hmm. I, I want to skip the pre-flight checklist stuff, but I, I want it to be, you know, still a fairly realistic sim experience. The less I know about how planes are operated, the better, in my opinion. <laughs> I've always been super in there to me. Criticize him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tina, 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 what you should do is um, you should load up Flight Simulator, uh, <laughs> get a flight going, get up in the air, turn on autopilot, and then lean back and pick up your play switch and play Animal Crossing. <laughs> yeah, true. But that's how I would be a pilot, that's for sure. <laughs> um, you can get yeah, your we, cat to bring you peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, we've it's too lazy up, for that. We've eaten up almost all of our time talking about Game of the, uh, of the Year awards, but of course, it's a really big topic. Um, Tina, our uh, winners are going to be announced on Monday. That's right? Yep, that's the plan. Okay. Cool. Please be excited for that. Shh, man, uh, Perfect Dark, should we hold this for the next episode? I think we got to hold it. Okay, mm-hmm. we're going to hold it. So we're going to jump into... Oh, my God. Video game 20 questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Mark. Mark Mark. says, uh, uh, thanks so much. Oh, he also, um, yeah, he says, thanks so much for another year of scoop through what's been a a rough year for all of us. The only video game podcast has stayed awesome (laughs) and the laughs haven't stopped. That's what I hear. Do we have that shirt yet or what, Justin? (laughs) We, we do not have that shirt yet. Um, we have a new, we hired someone for the store, so maybe we can finally get some of that stuff going then. Um, I was having to do myself. Uh, is it Mark? <laughs> this is important. Is it Mark with a K or C? It's with the K. Okay, good. We got yeah. this. Okay, let the questioning begin. Could this have been a game of the year contender in the year in which it was released? No. It's a throwaway cutesy question. <laughs> Just... Oh, so it's a bad game. Not even a question. Well... Oh, oh, hold on, hold on. You, you said in the year that it was released. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Could, could it have been? Yeah. Well, so Effectively, was it a good enough game that yeah. people would have debated was whether it or not those? it was the best of the year? Um, uh, it, okay, there's some reality where this game, well, I don't know. <laughs> well, you can just think of it in your, so it's in a your middle da- game. The Damon translation is Was this received well? Yeah, uh, yes, yes, the game was received well, yes. But I do like the detail that he was confused about the game of the year. Yeah, thing. I know. It's that really means helpful. it wasn't like an amazing game, it was like there's hey, some reality. Game. Yeah, there's some reality in which Mass Effect Two didn't come out that same year. Mm, <laughs> that would. But this yeah, this sounds this... like it also could be pre Game of the Year consideration stuff because I actually read a video game uh, history foundation article about when people started picking games, yeah. and it was that's like, what I was just know. gonna say. It's like mm-hmm. we think that this is a '90s game. Like the Game of the Year is a modern-ish construct for our industry. Mm. Oh. Is this a '90s game? Yes. Cool. Good work, everybody. That was useful. <laughs> that was really good. Two questions and we have the decade. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Uh, did this come out on cartridge? Yes. Uh, did this come out on an SNES cartridge? No. Mm-hmm. Um, is this game tied to a license? No. That's five. Does this game have contemporary sequels? No. Did well, this game come out on a Sega Genesis cartridge? Yes. Yeah. Genesis, but not Super Nintendo. Not a Sonic game. Probably means it was an exclusive. Hmm. Is this uh, on uh, Genesis Collections these days? Yes. Ooh. Okay. So renowned okay. enough. But not, not licensed, so it's not like the Disney connect collection. Yeah. It's going to be like bejeweled or beyond Oasis or one of the B games. B games. I'm just making that up after I said those two. Is it a, uh, is it a Capcom game? No. Okay. Is it published by Sega? Yes. And that's 10. Okay. Um, is this a puzzle game? Uh, no. So it's not me being machine or not bejeweled. I said bejeweled. What did I mean? Columns. Columns. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I was um, picking. Up, I was picking up what you were putting down. Mm-hmm. Um, Sega game, but not Sonic because it doesn't get contemporary sequels. 
I, I don't know. Golden Axe? Like, it, 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 so it's we, not Streets of Rage. That could be one of the Golden Axes. Was this game originally... Well, yeah, was this game also known for being in the arcades? No. Cool. Is this a uh, action RPG? No. Oh, so it's not fan. Is it, well, it could be Fantasy Star because that's just a straight up RPG. But that had a sequel this year. Fantasy Star, Fantasy Star Online. I know that's a different thing. Okay, we can ask if it's an RPG. Well, I don't. I'm trying to think. Is this a platformer? I, no. Oh no, we were doing so good. So we got sports game, racing, RPG. Like what? I guess it's an RPG. Sega does it only? Does Sega only have Fantasy Stars? As an RPG? I mean, no, they had Shining Force. Oh, yeah, Shining Force. That's a good example. And then there's also real-time strat stuff, but I don't think a lot of those are published by Sega. Not a platformer. Do you play as a human? No. <gasps> that's 15. It's altered. Oh, no. no. It's an arcade game. Yeah, it's an arcade game. Mm. Also, you're a human that's altered, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> Yeah, well, technically you're an altered beast. I think what oh, you are is, is, a, is a beast that, that turns into a <laughs> It's not altered human. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> That's so the stupid. backstory is that, that it's stupid. Um, I, I love it. What the heck is this? I mean, it could be one of the fantasy stars or shining forces. You um, could be a robot. You, yeah, you could be a robot, but like it's not Vector Man because that's a platformer. Is it? It is. Yeah, right? yeah, you're shooting things, but yeah. No, oh no, this is weird. This is weird. I I was a Genesis kid growing up, but I'm I we've eliminated a lot of the obvious suspects. Have we mentioned this game yet? Mm, you've not mentioned. No, you haven't. Okay, is it an RPG? No. This is so silly. Yeah, it is really silly. Can could this be a Sonic game because it it's it's a Sonic game and there isn't a Sonic game this generation or something? No, you asked. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly what you asked, but it was something like is it still getting sequels today? Like Yeah. Cuz yeah. like Spinball and then that doesn't have a sequel, so he would count that. Damon wouldn't do that to us. I think he would. <laughs> um is this does do you play a Sonic the Hedge or is Sonic the Hedgehog in this game? Yes. Whoa. <laughs> Sonic, a, wait a second. Wait a second. Sonic Spinball is not a good game. That wouldn't yeah. have been a game of the year contender. It's hard to tell. Um, ball, yeah. Let's see if this is a pinball based game. Okay. <laughs> Show me pinball based game. Yes. Is this Sonic <laughs> Spinball? Yes, it is. It's 20 plus. Nice. <laughs> I, Sonic I like that game. I like that oh. game. That's probably the best I, Sonic game. I, I owned it, so I, I was really disappointed. That was good. Damon. That's my line, Damon. I That's what I, I say about the Kirby miniature golf game all the time. The best Sonic game is Sonic Spinball. Um, I, I, just I when things were dying down, Damon, now you just kicked them all back off again. <laughs> They don't. It doesn't die down. It doesn't. You just gotta you gotta thumb them in the eye once a year or so. (laughs) It's the holidays. (laughs) (laughs) Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. That's that's your Dammy Award. (laughs) You monsters. Uh, Yeah, Sonic Spinball. I thought that game was well received, and I actually kind of like that game. But what nicely job you got there. 
Mm-hmm. Well, um, okay. I took that's... some psychology from the very first question onwards. Yeah. As per usual. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that is going to be all the scoops we have for you this week. Uh, we'll be back next week with the Damien Awards and Perfect Dark and uh, a bunch of other fun little surprises. So thank you to Justin. Thank you, Tina. Thank you, Sam. Thank you to Borba. Working behind the scenes. My name is Damon. This is IGN Game Scoop. And we're out. Yeah, you can tell me. Follow yourself. <laughs> <laughs> all that soup. If okay. somebody... Um, Soup. If, uh, if someone, <laughs> if, if someone wants, if if you can find me a man that knows how to eat soup without it getting all over their shirt, um, he thought of a straw. <laughs> we give up. We give up bibs too early, is my opinion. Mm. Yeah, we should like do like IGN themed bibs next time. Yeah, or or the uh, or like the big oversized napkin that you can just tuck into your shirt. Yeah, yeah, that could be a part of our store. Bibs. We should get yeah. bibs out of the store. Uh-huh. Yeah. Bibs, bibs, for, bibs for babies and adults. Mm-hmm. Actually, onesies would be very cute. <laughs> yeah. Podcast Bibyond. Oh my god.